Well, good morning. If you grew up in the church, I'm guessing you have heard the story of Jonah, oh, maybe a thousand times or more. Am I right? How many of you are familiar with the story? You'd say, yeah, I know about the guy, I know about the sailors, I'm familiar with the whole experience, the fish, the plant, I, I, I got the story. If you are new to the Christian faith, this is one of the Old Testament stories that actually extends beyond these walls. Oftentimes, it is something that you can hear in the context of our culture. Yeah, we know the story of Jonah and the fish. It reaches beyond the walls of the church and extends into our world. It is a story that has been told over and over and over again. Now, it's not a story, though, that you might run to for comfort and for warmth. We don't run and turn to Jonah because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside, and yet the reality is this story connects with every single person here today. You say, why? Because each and every one of us are rebels. Every single person here is a rebel in some way or another. When we read through the story of Jonah, we get it. We can identify with it. We understand, and it is not difficult to wrap our minds around it because in many ways, the story of Jonah is our story. It's your story, and it's mine. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second, Pastor, I am not a prophet. I, I don't live near a, a port city and go to the port city of Joppa very often. Really don't hang out with sailors too much. Now, those things would be true, and I would agree with you. But when we look deeper, when we consider the heart issues at the center of Jonah's story, you and I, it shouldn't take long for us to see the connection points. It shouldn't take long for you and I to identify a few specific things. So let's go over a couple of those things. Here's what I mean. Jonah knows God. And he clearly understands what God is calling him to do. And yet Jonah does the exact opposite. The exact opposite thing. And if we're honest with each other this morning, most of us can identify with that, can't we? I'm not saying today. I'm not saying yesterday. But at some point along our faith journey, we heard the word of the Lord. We knew what he was telling us to do. And we said, I'm not interested. I don't want to do that. Some of us are more rule follower than others. And so when God asks, we might give it our best shot. And yet we still remain disobedient in some small ways as well as large ways. And I want to be very clear about what that is this morning. When you and I talk about that, when we talk about kind of giving the Heisman to God when he calls us to do something, that is in No uncertain terms, defiance. It's defiance. 
And the reality is there are few stories in the Bible or any other literature for that matter that rival the defiance of what we see on the pages of the book of Jonah. Now there are many reasons for defiance, aren't there? I mean there are many reasons when God calls us to do something we pause and go the other direction. Oftentimes it can come from this place of anger. I am angry with God. I am frustrated at his plan for my life and I don't want to do it. Others of us have fear. Well, man, if, if I do that thing, I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm genuinely afraid to walk in that path. I don't know what that looks like, so I am fearful. Others of us might take this posture of pride. No, God, I know what's better for my life than you do, so I'm going to do my thing. Starting out kind of intense today, don't you think? (laughs) The question is, why do we do that? What causes you and I to turn our backs upon a loving God, the God who called us and redeemed us and made us his own? What is in our hearts that causes us to do that? Church, the scriptures are going to give us some guidance here in just a moment. But before we turn there and look at the beginning of Jonah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is so good to be in your house today. It is so good to gather with other fellow journeyers. With other people who are trying to walk out the faith in difficult seasons of our lives. I know many of us here today have had a really, really difficult week. We've experienced loss. There's been great sadness. Would you minister to those of us who are in that place today? Yet, God, there's also some of us who have had fantastic weeks. We have seen your presence in our lives, and it has been amazing. And, God, would you minister to those people as well, because we all need to hear from you today. Your word gives us guidance for our path. It lights the way. And so we need to hear from you today, God. We need to hear what your word has for us to say. So with humble hearts, God, we ask that you would meet with us as we turn to your truth. Give us eyes to see clearly the truth of your word. Allow us to hear this truth and then the boldness that it's going to take to live out this truth in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are beginning our deep dive You see what I did there? Deep dive into the Old Testament book of Jonah. And what you need to know about Jonah is it is part of a section of the Bible called the Minor Prophets. Now, when you open the Old Testament, there's a number of different sections you'll find, and the last section is the Minor Prophets. And uh, I want you to know that that does not mean that it's less important than the other sections. It does not mean that it is less important than the major prophets. It simply refers to the volume. It simply refers to the length. 
So one quick look at the book, you'll say, well, Jonah, that's four chapters, and Isaiah's a little bigger than that. So Isaiah would be part of the major prophets. Jonah's going to be more brief and fit into the minor prophets. Now, make no mistake, there is power and significance into what you and I are digging into. In fact, I cannot overstate the significance of this book. Many of us here today, many of you raised your hands and you said, yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I fear that many of us as we walk into this place today and open our Bibles, I I fear that many of us might have a misunderstanding of what Jonah is really, truly all about. And so the power and the significance of this word cannot be overstated. Now, before we dig into the book, I want to address sort of this, <laughs> this elephant that sits right in the center of the worship center right now. There's this question oftentimes when you turn to the book of Jonah, do you go, do you really believe that? I mean, you're really telling me that a guy was in was inside of a fish for three days, and then he was catapulted, and, and then the tree, I mean, like, you believe all of that. You believe all the details of the stuff that happened in the story. The answer is yes. Yes, we believe, I believe, that the story of Jonah was an actual historic event. We believe that Jonah is not a myth, it is not an allegory, it is not a fairy tale. Jonah is not just a book that is really good in a children's Bible. It is, but it is a whole lot more than that. And so throughout our series, Jonah at Odds with God, we are going to be examining, we're going to be looking at why what I just said is true. Why we do in fact believe that this actually happened. Now I'm going to give you a quick pro tip. Jesus. We'll get to that in the coming weeks. So with that as our foundation, let's grab our Bibles and begin with Jonah, you are going to be turning to page 774 in your church Bibles. Uh, We're looking at Jonah chapter 1, just the first few verses. If you do not have a Bible, you can go ahead and read on the screen behind me. So, here is how we begin the book of Jonah. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Of the Lord. That's where we're going to stop. As we read those words, as you and I think on those words, as we consider those words, as we reflect upon those words, I want to submit to you today that the book of Jonah is, in fact, a work of theology. It is something that helps us know and understand the character of God. 
in powerful and significant ways. I want to have that as a reminder to you each and every time we open this. Remember, Jonah is a work of theology. Jonah is a work of theology. Is it prophetic? Yes. Is it a story? Is it an Old Testament narrative? Yes. But it also teaches us a tremendous amount about the character of God. You see, we could be tempted to just kind of say, well, the story is about Jonah. I mean, his name is on the top of the book, right? We could be tempted to kind of say, well, he's the the starring role. He's the main character. And the truth is he's not. Jonah's not the main character of the story. The main character of the story is God. The main character in the book of Jonah is God. It is about him and it is about his character. And so as we dig into this book, God is the one who should get all of our attention. All of it. So let's dig into the book itself to see exactly what I'm talking about. Let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Let's look a little more closely. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil, their sin has come before me. What we see right here is what God has clearly laid out before Jonah that he has a mission. Right there at the beginning of the text, what we see is that he has a mission. Let's unpack the facts for a minute. Let's see the facts of this mission. Who is it involving? The sovereign Lord is sending his prophet Jonah. That's who. Well, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to go to the city of Nineveh and he's supposed to preach repentance. It says that the sin, the evil, the awfulness of their hearts and their actions has come before him. And he says, Jonah, I want you to go. I want you to go and preach repentance. Well, why? Because their sin is ugly. And God is holy. And God wants it to stop. He wants evil and sin to stop in this great city. And you see, God Almighty desires that men, women, and children would walk in His ways, would walk in His power, and would do so for His glory. And that is why He sends Jonah on the mission. That's why He gives him clear direction. God wants the people of Nineveh to know His mercy and to know His grace and to turn from their ways. So He gives Jonah an assignment. And this assignment gives you and I the first of what I'll call two heart postures. I am the Lord's servant and I know what the Lord wants. I am the Lord's servant and I know what the Lord wants. To fully comprehend these two verses, we have to remember that Jonah is a prophet. You say, well, yeah, I got that. It's, it's part of the minor prophets. You've already, you've already told me that. It's not major, but it's, it's minor. And so Jonah is a prophet. And here's what that doesn't mean. 
I want to be very clear about this. Here's what that does not mean. That does not mean that Jonah was some sort of weird Christian version of a fortune teller. Oftentimes when we engage and encounter prophecy or a prophet, we often think of like, well, he's kind of telling the... That's not what's going on here. That's not the role of an Old Testament prophet. Instead, what it means is that Jonah was someone who had been called by God to go and to preach repentance. Think of it this way. Stop doing what you're doing. He's supposed to go to an evil place and tell him to stop it. Repent. Turn. Now here's what this also means. Just in these first couple verses, it does mean that Jonah was a man of faith. He was a man of faith who was called by God to take the message of repentance and faith and mercy and grace to those who are lost, to those who are lost in their sin. Church, does that sound familiar to you? Does that matter to you on a personal level? Let me spin the question a little bit. Were you once lost in your sin? Were you at one point in need of God, someone uh, speaking to you by God's word and giving you truth to call you to repentance? Were you once in need of God's mercy? As I said at the beginning of today's message, I'm not suggesting that you are a prophet in the Old Testament times. I went over that whole thing. You don't live near Joppa. You don't hang out with sailors, all of that. But if you are in Christ today, if you would say, I have repented of my sin, I have placed my faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And being in Christ, I have received his mercy. I've received his forgiveness. I've received his grace. And believer, I want to tell you, this story connects with you because you have a mission. You, too, have a mission. Matthew closes out his gospel account with these words. They're the words of Jesus, and he gave them to his disciples. He said, go, therefore, go, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How many of you know what that is typically called? What is it? It's the Great Commission. And that is a mission for all believers. If you are a believer here today, if you are in Christ, that is your mission. As I am in Christ, that is my mission. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you work in an office, if you drive a truck, you fly an airplane, manage a business, you, in Christ are on a mission. 
The question that we have to ask ourselves as we sit here today is, are we faithful in that mission? Are we faithful in what God is asking of each and every one of us? We'd say, well, I'm like Jonah in the sense that I know God. I'm pretty clear on what God asks of me. The question is, am I faithful? Are we faithful? Let me break it down this way. Are we telling others of the hope that we have because of God's mercy? When we walk into the office, when we spend time with our coworkers, are we telling others of the hope that we have? Are we modeling this to others in our community that say, I have experienced the grace of God, I've experienced the forgiveness of God, He no longer is angry at me because of Jesus, and so I'm going to live that out and I'm going to model it to you. Are we reaching out intentionally to those who are different than us? Maybe even to people we don't necessarily like. That's part of the story too. Are we then seeking to teach and to train others in the ways of God? Not just tell them about God, but are we moving beyond conversion and into discipleship? That's what this text calls us to when we reference the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Church, that's not just the work of religious professionals. That is not just the work of somebody who has the name prophet attached to their business card. That's your role. That's mine. And it is precisely at this point that you and I can find a deeper and more significant connection to the Old Testament prophet. Let's return to our story, picking it up at verse 3. But Jonah, he rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and he got on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Three times the city is mentioned. There's so much to unpack in that little portion of God's Word, that one verse, but I want to begin with the first phrase, but Jonah. Three-letter word. Sets up the whole section. Sets up the context of the whole book, but Jonah. Now this morning, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second. I hear that all the time, kind of numb to that response. Yeah, my spouse says it to me all the time. Yeah, but, that's how my kids respond, but no, (laughs) this one is decidedly different. This but is very, very different. You see, throughout Scripture, we read of people who whined about God's call on their life. They, they questioned the call. 
We even have a story of somebody in the Old Testament wrestling with God. Of course, we can kind of highlight these people because they're called heroes of faith. They're Moses and Jeremiah and Jacob. They whined, they questioned, they wrestled, and yet we're talking about them today. What we see in Jonah is something completely different. Nobody overtly defied God quite like Jonah. Remember how the book of Jonah starts. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is the word of Yahweh. This is the word of the Almighty. This is the word of the creator and the sustainer of all things. And Jonah says, no. I don't like your plan. I am not interested. I am going to do my own thing. (laughs) So that's what he did. He went down to the port city. He paid his fare. Hopped on a boat going the opposite direction. Now here's why I highlight that for you. I don't want any of us to make a mistake and just say, well maybe this was sort of just a detour on his way to Nineveh. Like maybe he can kind of hit Tarshish and then go there. No, 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 no. What we're talking about here is Jonah went due west over water to Tarshish. Nineveh was over land east from where he started. So God says, I want you to go over land and I want you to go that way. And Jonah says, I'm going to go water and I'm going this way. It's the exact opposite. It is utter disobedience. It is defiance. And that gives us our second heart posture today. I know what the Lord wants, but I won't do it. Not going to do it. The question is why? Why would a prophet of God who had seen God's hand of mercy upon his own people, why would he go against this God? Why would he do that? Now, some Bible scholars will offer some suggestions. Some would say, well, maybe he was faced with kind of the the magnitude or the difficulty of the task. I mean, the text tells us that Nineveh was a great city. It was massive, It was well fortified. It was prosperous. Maybe Jonah looked at it and said, there's no way that I am going to go and make any difference in that place. It is just too big and I'm just one guy. Another option that Bible scholars suggest to us is that there was great danger in the task. I mean, you think about it. The text says that they were people filled with wickedness and evil. Maybe Jonah looked at it and he just said, there's no way that I am going to go to this wicked group of people who are doing evil things and say, repent. How'd you like that assignment? Stop doing what you're doing. God is not happy with you. So some would suggest it was the difficulty of the task. Others would say there was danger in the task. But I want to suggest to you that the answer lies with a third D, and that is defiance. He simply did not want to do what God was calling him to do because he knew that God was merciful. He knew God's character. And he didn't want the Ninevites to experience that. I'm just going to 
dip my toe in the water of this truth because we're going to be looking at this in the weeks ahead. But it is so important that we recognize that Jonah looked at God and knew he was merciful and he looked at the people of Nineveh and said, I don't want them to experience that. Can we agree that's awful? Can we agree that that is selfish? Can we agree this morning that that is completely filled with pride? Jonah's response is all of those things. And as we sit here, we can shake our collective heads at Jonah and think, how could he? How could he? But don't stay there for too long because we know the answer. Every single one of us has had that same kind of posture at different times in our lives. We have walked in self-serving ways when we should be thinking about others. We have focused on our pride more than the benefit of others. And that is what we do when we connect with Jonah. I know what the Word of God says I know what I'm being called to do specifically, and frankly, I don't want to. I'm not going to do it. We dig our heels in, in some small ways, it might be kind of this private angst against God, it could be a very public, big, bold thing. They're all disobedience before a holy God. The small private things, the big bold things, they're all disobedience before a holy God. And it is this disobedience that resides in the heart of every person here today that needs to be addressed. So we're addressing it. What I don't want you to hear is shame. There is a difference. I don't stand up here and shame you because of that because that is my story as well. I'm right there with you. There have been times where I've chosen pride over others. I've chosen my desires over others. And so every single one of us can understand what's going on here. Because when we do the opposite of what God asks of us, that's called sin. And church, sin has a penalty. Eternity apart from God. You'd say, well, pastor, this is so heavy today. I came to be encouraged. Well, here is the encouraging part. There was one man who didn't run away from his calling. There was one man who remained obedient to God's plan for him. There was one man who lived on mission with faithfulness. That man is Jesus, and he is the Christ. He's the one who paid for your sin and for mine. He is the one who showers us with his grace through our faith. He is the one who doesn't just free us from sin, but gives us new life. You and I experience life in Christ, and part of that life, church, is that we are then sent on a mission. We are then called to the mission. 
the question that each and every one of us must ask today. Are we faithful to that calling? Are we faithful to what God's Word has for us? For guiding us and leading us? Or do we turn from it and run the opposite direction? As we close today, I want to leave you with the wise words of a pastor and an author by the name of Mark Dever. Here's what he writes. He says, friends, we should obey God. Christian, if you are trying to run away from God in some area of your life, realize that you will never succeed. It's a waste of time. And it will only bring you sorrow. Disobeying God gets us nowhere good. So in spite of what our world tells us, in spite of what maybe some well-intentioned friends might give us as counsel, and in spite of what our mind might dream up in those intense moments, defiance towards a holy God will lead us nowhere. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.